Again, I want to th say thank you for your faithfulness to be here this weekend. And, uh, and again, some folks were, uh, I think it was last night, um, they were already firing off uh, the firecrackers, the big fireworks and everything going off in our neighborhood. Um, just be careful, all right, because uh, those things can, can be dangerous and they can be painful. Um, back in the day when um, I was growing up, we used to, uh, I won't say how we lit the firecracker, but it was uh, with something that people kept in their mouths often. Um, but we had liked, uh, we would light with mom and dad's cigarettes, we would light the firecrackers and we'd throw them. And I don't know how many times throughout the night, somewhere along the way, I would change it over, the cigarette over to my right hand, and I would light the firecracker and I would throw the cigarette. And it would explode in my hand, and I'd have blisters all over my hand. Uh, one night I was out uh, there in, uh, John, remember our, our long driveway, paved driveway, and, and my brother and I, Alex, we were throwing firecrackers at each other. And I got, I don't know why I sat down, maybe I did something, but I sat down on the pavement, and he threw one, and it bounced, and it disappeared. And I thought, well, that's okay. You know, it must have gone out when it went out. No, it disappeared because it went under me. Yeah, yeah, it was just like setting off a rocket. <laughs> so uh, be careful out there. Be careful out there. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Uh, we're, we're still this morning on the commands of Christ. This is about halfway through uh, the commands of Christ today. And it says Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You know, I've read these verses a whole lot of times over the last uh, you know, several months and, and read, a lot of, read them to you. But, you know, uh, because they're so fresh in my mind, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've used these verses that, that we're going to finish reading here. I've used these verses to encourage somebody else or to encourage myself. Because it says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And Jesus said that, that he has all power. Not some power, not most power. He has all power. And then he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of Son and the Holy Ghost. And so he gives us a command. And uh, then he makes it very clear, verse 20, I love this, teaching them to observe all things. And so whatsoever I have commanded you, and all things whatsoever I commanded you, is not just this, these little commands, this one command here of go and teach and baptize and teach. It's all things that I've commanded you, and that's what we're doing right now. We're on number 25 of the commands of Christ. So teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and I love this, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So all power is with us all way. Have y'all heard that any, before? Okay, say it with me. All power is with us all way. And, and you know, that's a very encouraging thing. I don't care what you're going through. All power means we are superior to whatever we ha we're having to endure. And so, uh, and it's not us. It's God's power. It's the power of Jesus Christ through us. And so, 
the last few commands that we covered lead us to this 25th command. And, uh, and we're halfway through, but, but honestly, I'm, gonna go through, I'm not going to go through them all like I, like I do sometimes. But I'm going to give you the last two or three because they lead right to this one. And, uh, and I'll have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit, uh, a little tired today. The body's a little tired. Mine's a little tired. It's been a long week, but we've accomplished a lot here. So, Lord, I ask you right now that you give me clarity of mind and strength of body and you would guide my mind and my thoughts. And, and Spirit of God, I yield myself to Thee and ask You to fill me with Your presence. Anoint me as I've asked You so many times already with fresh oil for this moment, for this hour. And then God, I ask You in the name of Jesus that You'd wrap Your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection and that You'd turn back every evil that would try to snatch away the truth today. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. You see, the... Number 22 was this, it's for us to hear God's voice. Let him that hath an ear, let him hear. And so, and God made, it was so vital that we had the right ears to hear. And as I, as I said, when we preached and taught about this, there are a lot of voices out there. There are a lot of voices, and I'll be honest with you, there are a lot of deceptive voices today. You need to ask God to give you wisdom and to clear those voices away from you. There, there's, a, there's a spirit of deception in this world. People are, are believing the most uh, 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 incredible things uh, without evidence, without proof, without any substantial, uh, uh, any substance to, to back up what their, their belief system. They just simply believe it because they choose to. They believe it because they want to. They believe it because it's what they desire. And so, uh, but we need to hear God's word, God's voice. Let him that hath the ear, let him hear. And, and what does he say that we would do or that, that we should do? That's, first, that's uh, number, command number 23. He says, uh, hear me, and here's how I'm going to tell you what to do. Number 23 is come unto me and take up my yoke. And so he says, listen to me. And the very next thing he tells us, the very next command he gives us is come. Come unto me. And, and again, as I've said already, too many of us are saying, Jesus, you come to me so I can have you the way I want you. But he says, no. He says, no, that's not the way it works. You come to me. Come unto me and take up my yoke. Uh, you know, uh, it, it is amazing how we're trying to bring Jesus into our yoke. But our yoke is a burden, and our yoke is, it makes us weary. And, and Jesus will not get in our yoke, but he'll let us in his. And so, uh, what, uh, but, so what will keep us from his yoke? Well, the very next command, the leaven of the Pharisees. He says, take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Uh, listen, what's going to keep us from coming to Jesus? What's going to keep us from being with Jesus and walking like Jesus and talking like... What's going to keep us from that? The leaven of the Pharisees. And that's the lies and the deception just coming back again. That's, that's why he says you better keep your ears right. You better have ears to hear because those voices are speaking the leaven. 
They're speaking the lies, the deception the, the, that they're trying to confuse us. So this all is preparation for the next command. All this just leads to, and, and, and look, this is the way God has done this, the way Jesus is doing this. He takes us through three, four, five, six, seven, eight commands sometimes in a row where they just build upon each other. Then he may shift gears a little bit, but then the next several are going to build upon each other again. Now, here's the next command. If any man will come after me. Now, he's already said, come unto me, right? Now, he says, if any man will come after me, here's how you got to do it. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. You know what? Every word in this Bible is very important, folks. And, you know, he doesn't just say, we'll say it all the time. You know, take up the cross of Christ. He says, take it up daily. You know why he says take it up daily? Because we're flesh. And can I tell you, we don't make it much more than a day. My old preacher used to say that seven times a day that he would ask for the Holy Spirit's power. And you know what? He, he told me one time, he, I said, why seven? You know, is it because of the perfect number whatever? He said, he said Bob, it, it, you know, I'm making about two and, a half, two and a half hours and I need it again. And you know, the truth is, God says every day we need to decide all over again that we're going to take up his cross. And so, and he says, why are we taking up his cross? How do we? And follow me. So that's what he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? If we, now, I'm just going to go through this, and I almost, uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to d- deliver it, but, I, but it's a lot of just statements in here. If we'll come after, seek after, seek to follow, seek to know Christ, listen to this, please. It's more than a mystical, emotional relationship or some state of euphoric praise. You say, why is that? Why are you saying it like that? Because today, that's what's being pushed upon our churches is that somehow it's all about praise. Okay, listen, we're to praise God. God wants us to praise Him. But this, this goes much further than that. God says, I don't want you to just say how wonderful I am. If I'm really wonderful, then deny yourself and follow me. It's an act. Now, God desires our praise, amen? God desires our worship. But God also desires us to die to ourselves, take up his cross daily, and follow him. Now, folks, that means if I got to die, that means that what I am, what I desire, what I want to achieve, what my goals are, they all got to die. And i got to become what Christ wants. Now, Paul expressed it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now, watch this now. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. What he's saying is, he said, yeah, I'm alive. I'm still living. He said, but I'm crucified with Christ. So really, even though I physically am breathing and blood's running through my veins, he said, when I am crucified, Christ is living in me. Does anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, the statistical facts of what we're dealing with today, and I'm going to just give you a little bit of statistics just to kind of throw this out. The incidence, and you may not understand this terminology, maybe you do, but the incidence of a narcissistic personality disorder is nearly three times as high for people in their 20s today as for the generation that's now 65 and older. How many of you in here are 65 and older? Okay. I can't believe you'll admit it. Can't believe you can raise your hand. Now, but listen to what it's saying now. For the, the group that's in their 20s, the narcissistic personality disorder is three times higher than for our age group. And that's according to the National Institute of Health. 58%, now listen to this one, 58% more college students scored higher on a narcissism scale in 2009 than in 1982. 58%. Now you're saying, well, what in the world is narcissism? It's this. It's a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance. A deep need for excessive attention and admiration. They normally have troubled relationships and a lack of empathy for, the, for others. You know why they have a lack of empathy? Because they don't care. It's about them. That's, right. That's a narcissistic personality. And, and it says that, they, that 58% more college students scored higher on a narcissism scale in 2009 than in 1982. It's been said that the millennials got so many participation trophies growing up that a recent study showed that 40% believe they should be promoted every two years regardless of performance. You see, okay, now listen to me. This is not an attack on a specific age group. It's the mentality of the world in which we live today. This is the world in which we live. It's, all, it, it's been... Okay, one person wrote a, a, a book about it, and they said the, the generation, the, the greatest generation, not the greatest generation, but the uh, baby boomer, boomer generation, they said, really became the me generation. Uh, there was a lot of rebellion because it was me. They say this generation, this time period of our life, which the, the, the more uh, are alive today in this generation, uh, they, they are the me, me, me generation. It's all about me, triple. Now, that's the world in which we live in today. And it's really not an attack against a specific group. It's just the mentality that we live in. One reason why it's this me, me, me generation is, is the truths of God are not being taught anymore. It's what it comes down to because even this right here, uh, I, I'm telling you, people... People are going to church their whole life and have no concept of what Jesus has said. They're going to church and they're, and they're listening and they're, going, they're doing their routine of religion, but they're not hearing the truth of what Jesus said that we're supposed to be and to do. Secondly, social media has created a venue for feeding the me attitude while garnering a following that will support and agree with the me attitude. 
You see, the social media has created this environment so that in any moment when you need to have people think about you for a moment, you can just write something, whatever you want to write. You can find a few hundred people that are going to think you're great. This, folks, it is a selfie crazy world. They say that, that in the 1950s, you walk into somebody's house and there, there'd be a, a maybe one family portrait. There might be a, a wedding picture in there. You walk into a house now and it's the average of 85 pictures of themselves. Now watch, it's all about us. Now I'm not talking about y'all. I'm just talking about all those bad people out there. Number three, the church has gone past. Now listen to this. The church has gone past come as you are to a position of stay as you are. Listen, I am all for those doors being open to anybody. Come on in, just as I am without one plea. Come on. But we're not really a church if we don't tell you how to change from what you are. And it's not to be more like us, it's to be more like him. He didn't say come unto the preacher. He didn't say come unto Brother Bob. He would never say that. He didn't say come unto anybody. He said come unto me. The church has gone past this come as you are. And I'm all for that to a position of stay as you are Christ did not die that we might live unto ourselves but rather he died that we might die unto ourselves and we're so confused on this right now we believe Jesus came to give us what we want so we can live unto ourselves no he came so we could die to ourselves my my life should not be I started to say my wife should not be she shouldn't either. My, wife, my life should not be one more selfie. But rather, my, wife, my life should be a picture of Christ. Therefore, I must die daily. I must take up the cross of Christ. The cross, listen to this, the cross was not a trophy. The cross was not a prize. The cross was not a way to become famous. The cross was and is the ultimate sacrifice. Therefore, I must be willing to say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. To allow myself to be crucified with Christ, I must follow the example of Christ. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to sacrifice, and Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And the truth is, again, the church is not here to, to look. The church is here to serve, but the church is here to serve you and teach you to serve. You know, one of the things that I had to deal with in the Salem ministry was I had these guys that were military, uh, and they were, they were great guys, and, uh, but so many of them came in that, 
that when they came in, they were used to to uh, the military taking care of their food, taking care of their clothing, taking care of their housing, taking care of everything, that they came to me and, and, they, and, they, and they had come through a military ministry where the family that took care of them provided so much for them and, and they came and I had to send them all down one day and say, fellas, you're here now not as recipients of the ministry, but you're supposed to be distributors of the ministry. It's not about you anymore. It's about what you can do for somebody else. That's what Jesus did. He didn't come for himself. He came for us. Now, let's take a a look at this verse again. It says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The first question here that I think we got to answer is, is one, do we hear his voice? Do we want to come after Jesus? That's the first question everybody in this room, we've got to answer. Is our life, do we really want to come after him? Do we want Jesus? Do we want Jesus or we, do we want to pacify our, ourselves? Do we want Jesus or do we want to please ourselves? Second question is, do you want to follow Jesus enough to deny yourself? Do we really want to follow Jesus? Look, uh, you know, uh, that little family that just went over, the Brown family just went over to Africa. You know, we probably sit back and think, that, that is amazing that in a matter of weeks, months, this family decided to give up everything they have, give up their home, give up their car, give up everything, and go to Africa. And not just we're going to rent it out and walk away from it. They've sold, they got nothing to come home to. Let me ask you, watch this now. What if the Lord said that to you? Third question. Are you willing to take up his cross daily? Are we willing to take up his cross daily? You know what I mean? It's every morning when we wake up, we've got to say, Lord, this is not about me. It's not my agenda. I want to die to my agenda and live for yours. Fourth question is here. Are we willing to follow Jesus wherever, however, and whenever? And again, I say, if he came and just said, okay, it's time for you to sell everything and take off and serve me, You say, Brother Hooker, God wouldn't do that. Tell the Browns that. Get real quiet. (laughs) If you answer yes to any or all of these questions, it will take sacrifice. You see, Jesus is, again, our ultimate example. In a great sense, and and honestly, it was through studying this, the first time it really registered in my mind that we always say, you know, we put him on the cross. But in a great sense, Jesus crucified himself. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 26. Then said Jesus unto him, "Put uh, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. 
Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? Do you understand? If you can stop it and you don't, you did it. Jesus could stop the crucifixion, and he said, I will not. We must die to self. We must choose it. Be crucified with Christ, and only then may we truly live. There's no resurrection until there's been a death. I used to hear that all the time. There's no resurrection until there's a death, and God cannot resurrect me to walk in Jesus' steps until I die to myself. Let me give you this little... The the law of sacrifice. The law of sacrifice says that you cannot get something you want without giving up something in return. In order to attain something you believe is of greater value, you must give up something you believe is of lesser value. Can I tell you, uh, having Christ live in me is greater value than having me live in me. Society today tries to deny the law of sacrifice at every turn, promising people that they can fulfill their desires without having to forsake anything at all. You can lose weight without giving up anything. You can get in shape without working out. You can get rich without having to work hard. The denial of the law of sacrifice is at the heart of the things. uh, 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 Right now, in America, we don't want to sacrifice. That's why Americans have $886 billion in credit card debt. And that's just my cards. There's also a price to pay. If you want to, listen, if you want to lose weight, let me help you. You're going to have to change what you eat, and you're going to have to exercise. And if you want to get in shape, and you want to, as they say, get ripped, you're going to have to work out regularly. And if you want nice things in life, you're going to have to work hard and save your money. If you want a great marriage, you're going to have to live for God and live for your spouse and die to yourself. Sure, sometimes fame and good fortune can just kind of drop into your lap. But listen, the law of sacrifice is not an absolute like the law of gravity. But I can tell you this, and this one man, uh, Frederick Douglass, made this statement. I don't know who he is, but it's a great statement. A man at times gets something for nothing, but it will in his hands amount to nothing. If you didn't work for it, it don't mean much. Anybody that's ever worked hard to get something that other people use regularly that didn't pay for it, you know what I'm talking about. They use it and abuse it because they don't know how much it took to get it. Great unhappiness arises when we fail to acknowledge the necessity of sacrifice and subconsciously hold this the idea in our heads that we can have everything we want at the same time without sacrifice. It's a foolish belief being propagated that you can have a great marriage without giving up anything. We deal with it all the time. And here's what we've got. We've got two entities and two worlds and they're never going to give up anything of their worlds, and they want to call it a marriage. That's not at the very most, it's some sort of business relationship. 
the world in which we live, even the Christian world and the church, there is this fallacious concept that you can have a deep abiding life in Christ without, while holding onto the world. That's where we are right now. And, I, and listen, folks, I, I want to challenge you. Everybody, wake up for me for a second. Okay? I want, listen, if you, do you want to have a walk with God? Do you want to have a relationship with Christ? Do you want to know Christ? If you want to know Jesus Christ, listen to me. It's not going to just happen. We've got to, these commands, we've got to come unto Christ. We got to die to self. We got to take up our cross and we got to follow him. And then we can have the relationship we want. It's not going to just happen while we continue to live the way we want to live. It just doesn't work. And the truth is, that's why we've got so many out there that that I'm telling you, and I warn you, 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 you need to be prepared. The next wave, I believe, unless revival. Now, we're praying for revival in our nation, but the next wave in America is the same next wave that came into Europe and came into England, and that next wave is atheism. Because when you don't commit to God, there's no blessings from God. There's no reality of God. When you won't die to yourself, and you won't die to yourself if you don't understand who he really is. And if there's no commitment to God, well, what's going to happen? Look at, look at the Old Testament. Look at the, 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 the Israelites and the, the Jews. They would turn their backs on God. And they would go into judgment. And, and, and there, there would be captivity and punishment and wicked kings and and all of a sudden the people would turn back to God and they'd come back to God and then they they'd come back and then God would prosper them and they get prosperous and as soon as they got prosperous they turned their back on God went away again well that keeps going until finally there's a generation that comes up that doesn't believe in God because why would he let all this happen to us? He lets all that happen to you because you don't care about him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's a pretty clear statement, isn't it? You cannot serve God and mammon. And look, if you don't know what that means, that means the world. It's not money. It means the world system. You can't love God and say, I love God, but I'm going to live in the world. You can't do it. God says, no, no, no. You're going to love the one. If you love one, you're going to hate the other. The latter part of this command said it in this way. He said, whosoever shall, will lose his, uh, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? You have to lose to gain. And if you hold on to your life, it will always be, listen, please, if you hold on to your life, it will always be your life, never his. 
When you live and die, it is never more than your life. What advantage have you, God says, when you live your life and you never give your life to God? He said, what advantage have you? What, what good is this doing you? Well, you don't understand all of the things I possess. I understand this. Everything you possess, including your own life, is going to vanish away. You may gain, but all that you gain will vanish away. All that you seek to hold on to, you will lose. You lose yourself, your family, your marriage, your children, your home. And, and just a couple of little quotes here, and I'm almost done. And these are my quotes that I created. So, hey, if you like them, tell me about it. Um, if there is no willingness to sacrifice, there will never be a commitment to greater and more godly things. If we will not, if there's no willingness to sacrifice, we'll never commit to anything greater. If we're not willing to die daily for Christ, we will not live for Christ. We can say we are. Oh, I, I love Jesus, and I just love, I love him, and I love to praise him. Listen, unless you're willing to die to yourself, you don't love him, and you're not living for him. The worst thing, and please get this, the worst thing about a generation of Americans that refuse to sacrifice is that there will be a generation, most of whom, who will never surrender to the call of God. You know what, I, the reason I preach the way I do and the reason I, I keep doing what I'm doing is because I want this church to always be a place where the Spirit of God speaks to young men like Josh Brown. Where the Spirit of God speaks to uh, a, a man in his middle years like Roy Thompson and says, you're going to go to Romania to be a missionary. Where the, where the Spirit of God is, is bringing to us Patrick, who's going to be later on this year moving here, and he and his family, uh, as they prepare to go to Germany. You don't watch us. As the Spirit of God touches our young people to go to Bible college and go to prepare uh, to, to serve God with a life. This, when, when you have a generation that refuses to sacrifice, there will be a generation, most of whom, who will never surrender to the cause of God, who will never commit to the mission field, who will never give up career, wealth, and prosperity, and popularity to serve God with their lives. That's the danger that we're running into right now, folks. If we will not sacrifice, then we will not commit. If you're not willing to sacrifice for God, you, listen, if you're not willing to give up a little for God here in America, you're sure never going to give up everything to go someplace else. And, and listen, I'm not even talking about going to the mission field. I'm talking about here in America, surrendering to serve God with your life. I'm talking about saying, I, I, having young men and young women say, I give my life to Christ. We're not going to have that. And can I tell you, it's really diminished everywhere I go. It's really diminished the young people who are willing to set that phone aside and set that uh, computer aside and set uh, all the technology aside and say, whatever God wants from me, I'm willing to do it. It used to be there, there was a lot of kids that said, and, and listen, I understand that, that, that some of those kids fell away. I understand that some of them didn't follow through. I even understand some might have made emotional decisions. But bless God, we're getting to the point where none of them are willing. 
because we're not ready to die to self. And, and you say, well, why are you speaking to us? Because none of us are teenagers. Because our children find out whether sacrifice is real and worth it through us. I says, you know, Marcus, you don't know how much of a statement that you made just this morning to your children. You say, what did Marcus do? He wrote me this week and said, I hear you needing bus drivers. And so I called him back this morning and said, I need a bus driver this morning. I said, we got to meet at 9 o'clock. He said, I'll be there at 830. That was a sacrifice. That bus, we don't have air conditioning on those buses. But your children see that sacrifice and say something's real. It's so very important that we understand that when we stop sacrificing, and can I tell you, that's what's destroyed a whole lot of young people is about the time when they really need to see whether you're real about this thing. When it hits the teenage years, that's when most parents start getting weary and start getting comfortable in life. They may have made a few sacrifices along the way, but now it's time to relax. I'll be honest with you. It's time to relax in heaven. Right now, we're supposed to be dying to self. I'm afraid there, that if things don't change, there will be a generation who will reject God and his word. We will be a part of that generation or we'll be the ones who change the generation. I want to rear children and have an influence on children who understand that Christ said, Come. Come unto me. No, don't stay there. Come on over here. No, that's, that's not where I want you. Come all the way to me and die. If you'll die, then I, then I can use you. Oh, you'll physically live, but I'm going to work through you. But he's talking to us too, not just young people. Like it or not, God expects our commitment to him and he expects our commitment to be to him, not to ourselves. So the question comes, the final question, are we willing to commit to Christ? And that's more than just saying, I love Jesus. I'll even praise Jesus. But is that really praise when we come to him? Well, we really don't come to him. When we praise him, but we've never come to him. You know, say this and I'm done. But as a dad, it, it actually hurts my heart 
when I have a child who is straying from the principles of God or from even the principles and the morality and the decency, if I have a child that's straying from that, they can t- sit back in that life and tell me how wonderful I am. They can praise me and thank me for everything I've ever done for them. But can I tell you something? My heart is not blessed. I'm broken. I'm discouraged. Because I feel like, what are you praising? Because you don't really believe anything that I'm saying. Because if you did, you wouldn't be living in contradiction to it. And we've got a Christian world that's praising God while living in contradiction to him. I wonder how he thinks about that. Father, I ask you to please bless this morning. Lord, I Lord, I never dreamed what these commands would do and where they would lead when you put it on my heart to start studying them and going through them. Dear God, there's so much, so much meat, so much reality in these commands. And before you ever got to this command, you, you set us up because you said, you got ears to hear. You better hear. Hear what I'm telling you. Hear what I'm commanding you. Because it's going to come to a point that if you don't hear, what advantage have you gained? What advantage have you gained if you gained the whole world and lose your own soul? Father, if there's anyone in here this morning that 